in a series titled Parables, and we haven't talked about any parables yet, as we um, we dealt with Epiphany um, last week and, and the inauguration of Jesus' ministry this week, uh, where, where Jesus begins by saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near or, or at hand. Uh, in, in keeping with the idea of repentance, as, as good reformers, we we uh, think back to sort of the inauguration of, of the Reformation, where um, the, the idea of grace alone, salvation by grace alone, is re-earthed um, by, by Martin Luther and, and others, and and largely in opposition of, of these weird penance, confessional, repentive, is repentive a word? Uh, practices that were were going on. Um, there there continues to be some something of a debate of is is repentance a work, and is it is it required of us before we can receive grace? Do we need to repent and then believe? Do we have to do so? Trying to phrase it a bunch of ways to make it really clear what I'm asking. Yeah. Do we have to do the work, me and you, do the work of repenting before we can receive the grace of salvation? Right. <clears throat> well, um, I feel like I, I stand pretty solidly in the, the mainstream of, of the Reformed tradition. Um, and what, what we are concerned about, one of the, one of the major things is that... Um, that God gets all the credit and God gets all the glory for right. our salvation. Now, with regard to repentance, it's, you know, you're asking what came first, the chicken or the egg sort of thing. Mm. And um, I, would, I would err on the side of saying that even repentance, beginning with the desire to repent, the desire to repent is something that comes from God something that is implanted in us as a gift of the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, I would, I would reference the, the New Testament passage that, uh, that I, I kind of um, referenced, too, from, from Ephesians, um, when it talks about um, that, we were, that we were saved for obedience I talked about that last night with regard to the Ten Commandments, yeah. but you know, part of that is you know we were um, prepared for good works that God or that we are made for good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. And I would argue that repentance is one of them. So, is repentance a work? Yes, it's a work that we are made capable of by God and called to do by God, and so. I know what the way I'm answering this is kind of a, a both and, sure. but you know it's it's one of those tensions in the Christian life that you almost have to resolve in a both and sort of way, but always erring on the side of you know this is God initiated, and if this is a work that I do, it is a, a work that God has enabled and empowered in me. Yeah, I think the story you shared in the sermon is really useful. To, to bring back into this conversation, you said, you know, this uh, farmer, if I'm remembering correctly, um, sort of loses it with this employee the way he used to uh, before he was a man of faith and then recognizes the similarity in his behavior and, and is like, I, I haven't changed uh, when his wife points out, but you have. Right. 
Because what you're doing now is repenting. Right. You never would have run into the kitchen crying about yeah. what you had done before. Yeah. And so that's the the both and nature. It it's impossible uh it's impossible for us to work perfectly, but it's also impossible for us not to work. Right. Right. right? Saved people are prepared our, our workmen prepared for the task. There are tasks prepared for us in advance mm-hmm. to do. That is, uh, that's part of how we've been remade. You know, it, we, you know we talk about you know, coming to faith as, you know, it's not just I'm going to add this extra accessory to my life now. I have a, a good compartment for faith and, you know, I'm totally grounded there. No, I, I mean, coming to faith, coming to Jesus Christ is a whole life change, a whole heart change. And so it's, it's impossible for a saved person not to be a penitent person. Yeah. And we wouldn't say that, we wouldn't say we're waiting for the work of repentance first. Yeah. But we would say it's impossible to be saved and not penitent. Right. Yeah. Although, you know, I, I still kind of, I want to hold it in my, my one hand that, that even believers can get discouraged and get off track and get disillusioned. And at least for a time or for seasons in their life, they can resist repentance like the plague. You know, there is a sense sure, of sure. cooperating and, and working toward that. And that's part of the, you know, the, the work that God has begun in us is not completed yet. And we still have to fight with sin every day. And that sin is going to, to some extent, not, not defeat us, but set us back to the extent that, you know, we are not going to have the desires that God has newly implanted in us 24-7. Back to the, the situation that began this discussion, thinking about the, the inauguration of the Reformation. Are there things, you know, one of the things we gained in the Reformation was this re-earthing of grace alone, faith alone, mm-hmm. um, view of Scripture, uh, what are some things, you know, especially thinking on the topic of repentance, what are some things we may have lost? Yeah, I, you know, I heard an interesting, and this was just years ago, probably 20 years ago, but I used to listen to Garrison Keeler, who had a NPR program called Prairie Home Companion, and, you know, he's the Lake Wobegon Days guy, and he was sharing a story from Lake Wobegon Days. Now, this is fiction, but... In Lake Wobegon, there's a Lutheran pastor and a, a Catholic priest, and uh, they were riding in a car together to some, uh, I don't know, some ecumenical gathering. They were just the two of them, and you know, the Lutheran pastor confessed to the priest, you know, I, I've been really struggling with with this sin in my life, and I, you know, as a pastor, I don't know where kind of where I can turn with this. And, you know, the, the priest asked him, you know, well, are you repentant of your sin? Are you sorry for your sin? And the Lutheran pastor said, yes. And the priest said, you're forgiven. And uh, 
That was just a really moving story. And, you know, I don't remember exactly how Garrison Keillor finished that story, but it was this just kind of bathed in grace feeling that the Lutheran pastor got by having a space to confess his sin and to kind of affirm his desire to repent to another person. And so one of the things I feel like maybe we've lost um, with regard to the Reformation is, um, you know, that, that kind of structured space, the confessional, I mentioned to you before we started recording, yeah. the confessional where, you know, we have an opportunity and also the expectation to confess our sins to one another and to receive a word of forgiveness from God on behalf of one of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And and I think that, you know, trying to rediscover a space like that for Protestant Reformed Christians um, wouldn't be a, a terrible endeavor. And I know people have tried it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about that kind of behavior in Life Together, one of the books that he wrote, um, but you know, let's face it in our context, it's extremely hard to, to come to one another and confess sins. And I don't know that there are many of us that feel that we have the authority, even though scripture tells us the truth about how God feels about us. We have the authority to speak those wonderful you know, words of the gospel to one another. Yeah, the the a careful distinction there is uh, that we wouldn't say the priest has the authority no, uh, no. To, to grant the forgiveness, but but as a kingdom of priests, we have the authority to speak. Uh, I was going to say speak prophetically, but people are going to hear hear that wrong. I mean, I mean prophetic there to be like to to speak forth the power of the the truth already in the word. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that is, he was faithful and just will forgive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not arguing for the confessional, because there were a lot of abuses that came with that. Right. A lot of abuses that came with that, and a lot of just going through the motion stuff. What I'm arguing for is the space that that confessional represented, and the role of fellow believers in living out the repentance that we're called to. Yeah. So I, I was going to ask, how, how, do, how do you start that in this Protestant Reformed sphere? But I think I have an answer, and I think it's what we do in the evenings with prayer. Can be. I think, and that's not, that's not necessarily confession, but in, one of the things we've lost in the Western church as it's become so commercialized is the, the participation of the people in the service, and sometimes I, I maybe idolize the early church, but just the the way that they talk about, you know, so many people having a voice in the service and participating. Of course, you know, they they had elders and deacons that guarded the worship, but but just encouraged people to share words yeah. and share with each other, and and these smaller gatherings uh, were healthier. And now, you know, now bigger is better. And uh, you've got this consumer idea that I come and sit and 
and then fed and leave. And, uh, you know, different people have pushed back on that, of course. But how, how can you get to a place, um, how can you get to a place where the, the gathered body is comfortable sharing? Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's a really big part of what the local church is. Sure. But it doesn't necessarily have to be sharing on a large scale either. So one of the things that I'm going to make it a practice, and I, I did it the first time yesterday. Um, so after the service, I kind of made an invitation. If you're struggling with something, if you have a concern that's weighing down your heart and you want right. to come forward, um, you know, let's, let's do that work of, of prayer together. I had one person. Yeah. I had one person. And uh, that person came and shared, I'm struggling with this. It's a new year. I want to, you know, I want to weed this out of my life. And, and, you know, I'm, I would ask for prayer to, that God would give me the strength to do that. And uh, that was a, that was a big win. Yeah. One person came out of the 250 that were there. One person came, but that is exactly why I wanted to make that invitation yeah. and, and create that space. So that and was I, nice. I think something like that is even a step beyond the evening prayer. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. And, I, and my initial reaction was, you know, maybe this kind of thing is for small groups. But small groups are just a microcosm of the church. Mm-hmm. And so in a perfect world, we, we have that kind of culture in the church. Right. And I guess for you and I, as church leaders... We have to we have to model it the the best that we can, mm. and make ourselves available to to be that person. Not like there's something special about us, like only a priest can hear these confessions. But you and I have a unique position in the church, and and part of accepting our responsibilities, like we both do, are being there for people who are struggling, which. I know you do uh, plenty of listening and counseling as well as as well as myself. I just want I just want that to be normative for Christians that that they have a place and a person that they can talk to and walk with. Mm-hmm.